I'm Steph Hansen, faculty at Iowa State University. And I'm Mary Janowski, faculty at the University of Nebraska. When we started our faculty positions, we quickly realized how important mentoring can be to the success of our graduate students and our programs. Using the principles of community, communication, and curiosity, we'll give you actionable tips to become a better graduate student mentor based on what we've learned during our mentoring journey. We've We've made the mistakes. So you don't have to, because mentoring matters. Hello, mentors, and welcome to the Mentoring Matters podcast. Today's topic is all about the art of reflection. So Mary, you want to tell us why you thought this was a good episode uh, topic for us? Yeah, well, I happened to be in an andragogy workshop. That's a hard word, by the way. And they were talking about experiential learning. And they were talking about really the tenets of experiential learning. One is the experience. And then he actually had us try to come up with, well, what all is involved in experiential learning? And the thing that most of us missed was reflection. So it's experience, reflection, and then the generalization. And John Dewey talked about the fact that, you know, we don't learn from the experience itself. We learn about reflecting from the experience. And and I was thinking about that. And I was like, well, I tell the students all the time in grad school, grad school is all about learning, right? They're learning about their topic. They're learning new skills, like all of it's learning. And I thought, man, if they're not reflecting, they're probably not learning. And then I started thinking about things where I've noticed the learning happening and there's reflection that was happening there. I think this is the time of year that we start to think about reflection as our annual reviews are due for the graduate students, annual reviews for ourselves. And we were talking before we started recording how much value we find in those exercises of reflection. As teachers, we always see the growth in students when we ask them to reflect back on their performance on something and tell us what they've learned from it and what they're going to do differently next time. So I like this idea of how do we try to build the art of reflection into kind of the everyday of graduate school. Well, I'll give you one specific example that kind of solidified it in my mind, and that was with writing sprints. In writing sprints, we had an opening go around that would basically just be like, what did you do to prepare for writing sprints today? So how did you come ready to write? And then at the end, they would reflect on their progress. And I would ask them questions about what went really well and then what kept them from making progress. So what obstacles did they come into? And I was just amazed how it seemed to inform their next steps over time. You could actually hear the growth each time we met about how they had prepared and about how they set up the environment and how they had like thought through, okay, I know I want to write on this today. And here's the things that I really need to do ahead of time to be able to accomplish that. And I was just thinking, yes, we need to do more of this. Another place that we try to use reflection, maybe maybe I wasn't doing intentionally, but we were kind of talking about it earlier is my opening go round for my full group grad meetings is often the question, tell us something interesting you've read lately. And it's not to regurgitate and reread an abstract as to say, 
you know, something that they specifically learned and from reading an interesting paper that drove their, you know, specific interest in that science forward. And that's a standing go round. So they know that I'm expecting them to read, but it's good to hear group reflection, right? So you hear younger students say, I read this and I thought it was interesting that they found this. And you get an older student who's like, yeah, well, actually in these other papers, they found the opposite of that. Right. And you kind of get into some deeper level of discussion. So I think one of the things we can talk about is how we do individual opportunities for reflection, but also how do we either turn that into mentoring opportunities for other members of our group or also talk about group experiences. What is what what happened as we executed that project as a group that if we could go back, we would change something or we just really crushed it because we had certain aspects that just worked really well so that we now know what we need to replicate next time. Right. So one of the things as we were talking about reflection, we started looking into what are the components of reflection and we came across this what, so what, and now what thought process to help think through the questions that you would ask. And I I was really intrigued by the idea because uh, it was something I could remember. There was a lot of options, but this one stuck with me. So what was described the nature of the experience And then, so it's like, what happened? What did you do? What did you expect? So it's just like recapping the experience. And then the, so what is like the why, like, why does it matter? What are the consequences or the meaning of the experience? And and then how do you link it to your professional development, your academic development, whatever it is it might be. And then the now what, and the now what to me is the part that I really wanted to get to, right? It's like, what are they going to do differently as a result of what they've learned. So if we're thinking about experiences, like in our individual meetings, when they have their goals for the week, it's like asking them, okay, did you achieve your goals? And if you did, why, right? It's like, how did you achieve your goals? And what will you do to replicate that in the future? Versus if you didn't, what was your stumbling block? And what are you going to do differently this week? So I think the more that we can get towards having them think through how the process is working and what works for them and what's not working for them, I think the better. So maybe let's try to walk through an example of how we think this might work. So what would be a situation where you would maybe want to encourage a student to do some reflection so that we can figure out what went right, what went wrong, what do we do different next time? Oh, I can think of so many. All of them. All of the experiences. (laughs) Every experience. Yes. Well, I, I I was thinking about the experiences that they might be having that I want them to realize what they're learning. Like I was actually thinking about the last episode on network because you can actually have them reflect before, during, or after an experience. And so I was thinking about, do I have them reflect before and have them think about the intentionality about what do I want to get out of this meeting? And then how am I going to prepare so I get that out of the meeting? And then there's the after, which is like, okay, what went well? What did you get out of the meeting? And then what are you going to do differently next time so that uh, it's an even better learning experience for you? I think one of the places that I would like to see more reflection would be on how they, say, executed a project. And so that could be, you know, for our work in animal science with large animals, that could be, we always kind of have the live animal portion of the study, and then we have the really intensive lab work portion And oftentimes you get students who are good at one or the other because that's kind of where their passion lies and they kind of struggle a little bit with the other one. So you have to come in and do some more direction. But I wonder if when you have that project meeting before a project starts, 
if you have kind of an opportunity as a team to say, okay, what are things that we historically have needed to watch out for? So this is kind of the reflection ahead of time. And they're doing that anyway, right? But this would be putting kind of a framework around it and maybe some increased intentionality. And, you know, that might be something as simple as making sure that you're doing test weights on the scale before you weigh the cattle. And it could be something as complex as being like, well, on these days, you're going to need to stagger your help because somebody's got to run blood back to the lab and do things. And like one of the things that I have seen is that when students don't game out things ahead of time, they get to the night before and realize that they haven't gotten half of their stuff together that they needed. So they're scrambling in the morning. They're already stressed. Whereas if somebody knew a week or two ahead of time, you can start having the kids in the lab label tubes and do other things or whatever. So that's kind of the pre-meeting, but then afterwards it can be like, well, what went right? And how do we make sure we replicate that in the future? And just as a side note, I was helping a lot at the farm in the last couple of weeks because both of my postdocs got great jobs and left me. But I was able to see some of the really awesome things that some of like our undergraduate researchers were doing. So I sent them a note after that, right? And was like, hey, I saw that you were rocking it and I appreciate the hustle. And the training that your graduate students had done to prepare those undergrads to be ready to rock it. Yeah. And actually, that was something that at the beginning of the semester, when we were starting projects, I I pulled them aside and I said, I know it sucks to slow down and train people, but you better make sure that everybody knows how to do everything by the time April comes around, because we know we're losing at least one postdoc. We could lose both by that point. You better expect that the undergrads are going to be your right-hand person for all of your stuff. And it's not going to be the more senior member of the lab is available. You know, the, there's more structured group approaches as well to uh, learning. I was thinking about some of the things that we've done in the past, like having them dissect uh, an introduction, for instance, to a paper to learn how to write. So deconstructing like that introduction and saying, okay, how did they do it? In particular, looking at, okay, if I read a bunch of introductions or you have the group read a bunch of introductions and then they talk about, okay, which ones did the group like and then start deconstructing the ones they like and deciding why they liked them. That helps them put framework around how that they might do their own introduction in the future. Again, that's just reflecting. And I was like, wow, this is really cool because the power of reflection and their ability to maybe move a little bit further, a little bit faster in graduate school. Cause I always feel like they just really start to get it right. Right before they graduate. And it's, and to me, it's a, a lot because they're really forced to make themselves sit down and think about their topic, make them think about how do I get, you know, my writing accomplished and all those things we really want them to be doing sooner. And so can reflection help drive that? That's, that's kind of the the question, I guess, of the day. Yeah, I agree. When you get that master's student to the end of their program and you just see that exponential growth between, you know, when they were finishing a master's and when they start a PhD. I had a student last year who we knew she was going to stay after her master's and get her PhD. And I've had students in the past complete their master's, do their defense, and then stay for a PhD. And I've had ones who skipped the master's you know, thesis altogether and just propelled right into the PhD and just did like a four, four and a half year PhD. And I asked the student, I was like, I think you can do either. You seem to be a good writer and I think you'll handle the stress of the defense. So like, do you want to just skip through it? And she said, I have seen how the student who is defending this summer has grown so much and is so well-spoken and so well-read on their topic now. 
I don't want to miss the opportunity to have that growth before I switch gears and switch topics into a different PhD program. That was really cool. So yeah, so the point here is, so how do we back that success up so that we have these really rocking students by the time they're maybe their first year into their master's instead of having to wait? You know, we, we've talked twice in the past really about the power of questions, right? One was uh, phraseology and the other one was talking about coaching. And it just hits me that reflection is essentially another version of just asking questions, right? It's just asking questions of, of your students and having them actually have to take all the knowledge that they're gaining and, and actually think about it and then think about how they might apply it in the future, whether it's the knowledge they're gaining about a topic or the knowledge they're gaining about how the process works or how they work best. Like that's another thing in individual meetings. Sometimes I'll ask them, you know, well, well, it seems like you did a really good job on X, right? And a lot of times it'll be something like around writing or something in the lab and I'll ask them, start asking questions. And it's really fun to hear them talk about how, well, I realized that, you know, my brain works best on this type of thing at this time of day. So I've tried to schedule everything around that. And I was just thinking like, wow, that's, you know, that's really, really useful for them to know and understand about themselves. And so I think the more we can ask questions and guide them towards um, kind of self-leadership, uh, self-understanding, I think that's better. I agree. I was just thinking about how maybe this could be something that could be incorporated into like the weekly update email that I do. So on Friday afternoons or Friday evening, they send me an email that's basically like, you know, here's the big things I accomplished this week. Hopefully there's something attached to that email, like a lit review section or a figure or whatever. And it might be something we're going to talk about in their next grad meeting. But it'd be really easy to add, and I send them all kinds of random shit, right? So be like, this week, tell me how you got your energy. <laughs> and, you know, we do that a lot. But what if there was a built-in reflection piece that was like, you know, what went well this week? What worked for you this week? How are you going to incorporate what you've learned into what you do next week? Um, some of my students will write goals for next week, and that could be a nice tie into that. You know, I'm going to work on getting this section done, but I've discovered, like you said, that I really don't work well until mid morning when the caffeine really hits the bloodstream or, or things like that. So I think efficiency is one of the biggest things that you can learn, like your personal efficiency, like you've said, is one of the things you can learn about from reflection, but I don't know about you, but like that was not something that was intuitive to me when I was in graduate school. Do you want to talk a little bit about like time blocking here? Well, I think, uh, yeah, it's a part of personal productivity, right? It's like figuring out when you work best to do certain types of activities and then blocking the time to do it and then forcing yourself. But I do think time blocking can be useful. And I talk to my students about time blocking. One cool thing that I've picked up recently is about coloring your time blocks based off of the activity or the type of activity. And you can start seeing how you spend your time and start looking at those colors and saying, do I have a good balance here? So like I have a color that's basically for graduate students, it's green. Um, and then I have like a color. Is it green for money? Because they cost so much money. <laughs> uh, no. no. It's green because <laughs> you like grass because you're a forage nutritionist. That's totally it. It's one of my favorite things. So I have color for the graduate students. I have a color for writing for my research. I have a color for extension. I have a color for extension leadership, so on and so forth. 
and I can just look at my week. So on, on Sunday or Monday morning, depending, sometimes Sunday night, sometimes Monday morning, I look at my next week and really plan out my week and I can start seeing where maybe I have some deficiencies in my plan and make sure I have a balance. One thing that I have suggested to some students in the past, usually only when we've really gotten into a problem situation and I feel like I have to start doing some more micromanaging of their time because they're doing a crap job of it themselves. And that is time journals. So time journals of basically just recording, like, what are you doing during the week? And that's a pretty quick way for a student to realize that they're spending a lot of time on social media or other things that, that are, you know, more draining than they are of anything else for time and energy. But like on my calendar, I do time blocks and I do color code. So like, we you know, which different things are, but when I protect my time, air quotes, protect my time just to keep somebody else from setting a meeting on it, I usually don't force myself into this is going to be the thing I'm going to get done during that time. I set a to-do list at the beginning of the week. And then, you know, I kind of know by Friday, Friday's one of my favorite work from home days, because it can be my like, okay, I got to get everything off this to-do list today, or it's still going to be here Saturday morning and I'm going to have to get it done at that point. So I think backing into the weekend is actually my time pressure for me. And so then there's no more screwing around, right? It's like that thing I didn't want to do since Monday, done by noon on Friday, right? <laughs> Yeah. So what we just talked about, both of those things are, are methods of really reflection. Right. Right. So time, the time journal is a way to have the students reflect on how they're spending their time, the time blocking, the color coding, the pre-planning, that's the before. And again, it's reflecting and saying, am I spending my time in the right areas? Do I have everything covered? I think both of which um, are good ideas for personal productivity. Uh, in terms of how you can use reflection. So the what, the so what, and the now what, I think that is a great thing to have your students incorporate more often. So you have stepped in at UNL and helped teach the graduate seminar class a couple of times now. Do you want to talk a little bit about the reflection pieces that you have built into that? Yeah, well, so I have a reflection piece that is the student reflects on their performance. Um, and then I also have a reflection piece where the, uh, the audience, so the fellow students have to reflect on, on that particular seminar as well. And some of the questions I ask, like for instance, for the student who actually is doing the presenting, I ask them, the very first question is, do you felt like you gave yourself enough time to be prepared for this presentation? It's always an interesting one to hear their answers to. And a lot of times, you know, they'll, they will talk about, okay, no, I don't feel like I did. And here's what happened, or here's the reasoning. Here's what I'm going to do differently in the future. That's the goal, right? It's like, what are you going to do differently because of this? And then of course I ask a bunch of other questions. And one I ask is, what do you think went really well? And I'm always intrigued because it is very easy for students to get into a negative mindset. So some of my other questions are, are more open-ended and they almost always start going to the negative picking on themselves. So I think it's really important to make sure that you have some questions that are positive and they're framed positively. So they have to force themselves into thinking about, okay, well, what, what did go very well? And then for the students who are in the audience, I also think it's a great opportunity for them to think through, okay, what worked great? Like, what did they do 
that really helped me to understand. That's one of the questions that I ask. And it's like, I also ask them, what is one thing that they did that you are going to try in your next presentation? So again, it's not just talking about the topic because they are communicating science and they are supposed to be learning about the topic, but thinking about the presentation itself and thinking about how they might um, adapt some of those things. I think that's so valuable. I will say back to your comment about how students can get into a negative space pretty quickly. I think well-being and reflection can be, you know, maybe cohabitants would be a way to say it. And I do think this is one of the things that gives me some pause about building a lot of reflection into some things, because I think you could get a certain student who would come in and be like, oh, I failed epically. And then they're kind of just reliving that, you know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to moving on. So I think you'd have to be, as their professor, very proactive to be like, I think you're being harder on yourself than you should. Or if you are like, yes, I equally agree. You sucked at that. Like, (laughs) how do we, how do we get better? Right. Like it's all about the attitude that you have. Correct. Um, I I always use this mantra. You can't change the past. You can only change the future. And, and I think it's really important when they are in that negative headspace, um, just to point that out and be like, okay, so now let's talk about what can you do differently? Like, cause most of the time, right. They can relive it as you're saying, and they can wallow in it. Or they could go, I, I'm not going to have that happen again. And here's how I am going to make sure that this does not happen again. And hopefully that means they leave in a positive headspace. So they, I would argue that being cautious about reflection to, to try to keep them from wallowing in it, they're still probably going to be there. They may not like be talking to you about it, but they may be still thinking it. And so this is a good way for you to be able to redirect and get them moving forward and actually making that um, positive uh, movement rather than maybe um, standing still. I think the other thing we talked about with reflection was, you know, this annual reassessment, what do I want to do when I grow up kind of thing. So, you know, I came in thinking I wanted to be this and now I've seen these other experiences and that's really solidified that that's what I want to do. I'm going to double down on that or, I've seen these other things. And, you know, I just had this conversation last week with a student. I was like, okay, so you've been here for a year and a few months. Like, do you still want to do this? And it was like, nope, I think my goals have changed. And we talked about why that was. We talked about how we make sure we get that person the opportunities that they need so that they don't get to the end of their program and they're only trained to fit one, you know, one module. We want to make sure they're trained for everything. But it is it is fascinating to me how little they think about that stuff until all of a sudden they're like, oh, I guess I should be applying for jobs now. And it's like, you probably should have been thinking about this for the last couple of years. Yeah, I actually always ask them, okay, where do you see yourself in the future? And then I always ask them about, well, what what's currently missing on your CV that we need to make sure you get? So what experiences? And then also what skills do you think you would want to to boister or grow um, to make you more competitive for that position. And so, so I hate our annual review form that the department puts together, but <laughs> I'd like the idea of forcing us to actually do a review and it does force the students to update their CV. It doesn't matter how many times I tell them to update their CV until it, there's actually a deadline and they're forced to do it. It doesn't happen. So it's a great opportunity for us to discuss that and um, actually for me to give them tips on how to maybe improve their CV as well uh, before it gets to that job time. Any other topics on reflection that we've missed? 
my reflection is that we need to do more reflection. (laughs) I guess I would say about reflection that it seems to be a really crucial part to learning. And we want our graduate students to be learning. That's why they're in graduate school. So it seems like we should be thinking about how to build more reflection and more opportunities for our students to reflect. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed this topic of uh, the art of reflection in our graduate student mentoring. And uh, we hope that you will jump over to Twitter and follow us there and join in the conversation. Let us know how you have used reflection in your graduate student mentoring and um, where you see opportunities for it in the future. Until then, we'll see you next time. Mm